Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to season two, episode five, where we're talking about being simply sunnah and I'll be going live with sister Ifat Rafiq. She is here. We've been waiting for this. This is my first episode in the series called Ramadan Prep. Assalamu alaikum. How are you doing? Alaikum assalam. Alhamdulillah, I am doing well. Sorry about the technical difficulties. No worries. Uh, I did not realize I needed to. Uh, <laughs> I needed to update. Yeah, I think Instagram made some changes in the last few days, but no worries. You're here now. Alhamdulillah. I am so, so happy. And I was just asking everyone in the audience to please go ahead and let us know where you're joining us from. And if you have any questions, we'll be more than happy to answer them either during the live or after towards the end. And of course, uh, you need no introduction. You know, sister, mashallah, like you're such an inspiration. I learned so much from you and the fact that now you're taking on minimalism and our topic today about being simply sunnah is such an important topic and so i don't want to take any more time i want to give the floor off to you to if you have any opening words and then inshallah we'll go into the q a thank you thank you Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, we begin in the name of god uh, he is the utmost merciful and the most benevolent uh, we should start everything with Bismillah and really understand the weight and the power of that um, it is so such a blessing to be here and to actually talk about minimalism i'm really really excited yes it's not a topic that i'm often talking about usually it's all my other uh, areas that i'm really passionate about um and i'm just super super happy to be discussing minimalism and how uh it reflected the life of the prophets along the Peace be upon him. Yes, yes. Alhamdulillah, you are right. Usually, like, you're so focused on intimacy and, you know, in Islam and all of those things, which is amazing as well. Of course, we love it and we need more of it. But we need minimalism as well, you know, especially leading into Ramadan and really focusing on trying to make practical changes that, inshallah, we can continue uh, for the rest of our lives. You know, that was my whole intention behind this series that, mashallah, of course, we love Ramadan, but we also want to be able to carry on the benefits or the gems or the things we practically incorporated into our lives in Ramadan to the rest of our lives, inshallah, because there's 11 other months, you know, that we still live. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and it's, how Ramadan affected us will show in those other 11 months. So yes. it's, it's the fact that if we've made changes in the rest of the 11 months, it means that Ramadan really had a long lasting effect. And that, that's the goal, right? Yes, subhanAllah. Yes. So let's start right off the bat for everyone joining us. You can obviously write your questions in the comments and let us know where you're joining us from. And the first question is, you know, what is minimalism? Like, you know, we okay. hear a lot of talk, but what is it? What is minimalism? Okay, so uh, minimalism is a philosophy or a lifestyle that is essentially uh, about living with less. So living with less clothes, less clutter, less things, less uh, debt, less uh, kind of chasing the rat race, less of anything that chases the rat race and, and feeds consumerism. Uh, uh, minimalism is about just living simple and living with what you need so that you can make space for, for things that are really, really important in your life. So that's basically how I would define minimalism. 
subhanallah. So it's like living with what you need, not necessarily what you want. Yeah, that's right. But what minimalism has taught me is that you actually, once you filter out the things that you thought that you wanted, and then you go back to the things that you need, they are actually the things that you want too. So minimalism isn't about uh, just having food, sh basic food, shelter, and you know clothing, but it's about having all the things that really spark joy and happiness in you, <laughs> something that you really need or something that is really, uh, every time you look at it, every time you wear it or every time you use it, it makes you, you know, thoroughly happy. And I was very surprised to know, and all the people that I have a conversation with that are practicing minimalism, everyone has been really surprised to know that only 10% of the things that we own, or like 20 to 10 to 20% of the things that we own are actually the things that really spark joy in us, that really make us happy. The rest of it is just stuff that we have accumulated over time, some of it that we don't even look at for years and years and years. And it just piles up. And because at one point in our lives it had sentimental value, we still hold on to it. And it's taken up space, it's taken up mental space, uh, time, energy. Mm -hmm. It's just there's so much uh, that, you know, we can, when we're getting rid of this minimalism, you know, it makes you more freer, it makes you happier, it make, makes your life a lot more simple. And you only own the things that you really, truly love. Um, so it just simplifies the the world and your lifestyle for you subhanallah that's so beautiful um and i think like you have recently started doing this and you have your own page that focuses just on minimalism so like tell us a little bit about your journey you know because of course it's not easy right to want to establish a minimalistic lifestyle you need to do certain things and this ties into my next question of like decluttering and where to start you know because sometimes it can be overwhelming the idea of like oh my god so what do i do do i just throw everything out that's right, that's right. Okay, so I'll start off with how I got came about this. So my mom, without actually giving it a label, is actually a minimalist. And I was the complete opposite. I, opposite. I was constantly buying things. I was like a hoarder. I would hold on to every little gift and every little thing that somebody had given me because of the sentimental value it had. And then on top of that, I used to shop for a lot of clothes. I had so many heels, so many... Uh, pretty things that I never really got around <laughs> wearing and then I had loads of just bits and bobs because I was a bit of a hippie mm. still am a bit of a hippie and I like collecting like shells and rocks and stones and and all sorts of things so I had an amalgamation of like years worth of collections and I kept it and uh, I had to move when I had depression I moved into my mom's house to get support from her Mm -hmm. and uh, and it was my mom and my brother that like helped me get back on track so during that time my mom was like you have way too much stuff like this is not okay for you to mm -hmm. have this much stuff and, and part of the healing process for my depression was to start decluttering mm -hmm. and I found it extremely difficult extremely extremely difficult anyway so my mom has been on my case for me to declutter for about two to three years now really like she's like you need to get rid of all of this stuff and every few months we would do like a, a huge declutter and then mm -hmm. we do some more and things kept popping up over and over again I, my stuff you know amalgamated to the equal of everybody else in the home 
put together, I had the same amount of stuff as them. So it, it got a lot. Then when I moved back out, I still took a lot of stuff with me. And then I had my baby and I realized I cannot, I cannot keep living like this. It's just, it's not okay to have this much stuff and this much clutter because I wasn't the type of person that was organized. Mm. So it wasn't like I had loads of stuff and I kept it really organized. I had loads of stuff and I was very messy. So, <laughs> um, so about like six months ago, finally took on everything that my mom had tried to be telling me for years and years and years. And I just started really shutting down on, you know, well, locking down on the things that I buy, on the things that I'm getting rid of, all these charities. I, I went mad. I was like, I got so passionate that once Ustad woke up at like 5 a.m. in the morning and he saw me sitting there with all these clothes out. <laughs> I, was like going, I was going mad and I had like suitcases out and all these clothes and he thought I was running away or something. <laughs> Imagine that, 5 a.m. you wake up and your wife has suitcases filled with clothes. He was like, it's five o'clock in the morning. Where are you going? I was like, nowhere. I'm just, I'm just decluttering. I was just so addicted to it because of how it made me feel of like, I yes. kept feeling lighter and lighter and lighter. It was, yeah, it was amazing. So, so where to start? So if I was to advise anybody, it wouldn't be how I went about things. I was the extreme case, case of like, I had way too much stuff. Oh, I think I just paused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear you. It was my internet. I'm sorry. I just paused. <laughs> Go ahead. Continue. Sorry. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, so I was going to say that my advice would be to start with the smallest room or the smallest section or the easiest section in your, like, from, like, if you are in your parents' house and you've only got one room, then that's fine. Or if you have an entire house, then go to the easiest section possible and declutter that. The, the, the part, the one that you're, you're most excited or most, uh, you find it easier to, to do. Because what happens with me, what and it still happens now, is if I go to a section that is a lot and it becomes overwhelming, I just get really mentally uh, exhausted already before yeah. even completing the task. So I'm like, oh my God, I've got to get through this box and this and this. So what I would advise people to do is go to the, the smallest section first, start from there, see how great it feels. And then that great feeling will get you through the, the more difficult um, aspects. Okay. That's, that's really good. I think like just start somewhere small, somewhere. I, I make notes. Wait. Yeah. Good. Let us oh, know. Yeah. And I also, I made a note here. I did a, I did a 30 day minimalist challenge. Okay. Okay. This is really good. Um, so every day for thirty days, you get rid of one item, just one item, and it's okay. really easy to get rid of one item. I mean, it could be just batteries in the messy drawer, or uh, just getting a, rid of like a random scarf and putting it into charity, uh, or a top that you don't use, or mm -hmm. it could be um, getting rid of uh, you know like cleaning toiletry products that you haven't used for years. Yeah. <laughs> so it could be very. It could be literally anything from your home. You get rid of one item for 30 days and it okay. actually works out really it's quite fun because then you send the picture to your friend and you do it with a friend because it gives some kind of accountability yeah so you yeah. have to show somebody otherwise you'd be like oh well it doesn't matter you know i'll, I'll take i'll get rid of two things tomorrow you know so True. instead of that if there's some kind of accountability you do it with a friend that's a really fun way to start 
30 days uh, of getting rid of one item. That's I, I feel like that's a fun way to start. True, so true, because it's like, it's, it, it kind of becomes like a competition, right? It's like, oh, what did you throw out? What did I throw out? And then you're right, because yeah. we as human beings, we need to kind of be like guided and have that support and not know that I'm just doing it alone because then we can just slack off so easily, right? Exactly, That's yeah. such a good point. And uh, um, I think my other thing tying into this was like, um, why is it good for us to do this before Ramadan, you know? Like I got some questions like, oh, so this is the Ramadan prep series, but like, why are you talking about decluttering, you know? Why is decluttering important when it comes to preparing for Ramadan? Yeah, you know what? I hadn't, I hadn't reflected on this until you had brought up this subject. And I was so uh, amazed that when, when I started thinking about it, I thought, oh my God, this is such a good idea. And, you know, hats off to you for coming up with this idea. Because Ramadan represents a cleanse and a detox, right? Yes. So it's a, a body cleanse, so it's a physical cleanse. When when we're fasting, there are so, our cells get time to regenerate, our liver gets time to rest, our pancreas gets time to rest, our stomach gets time to rest. There is so much happening in our body when we're fasting. Just like Googling with benefits mm -hmm. of fasting, yeah. you'll come up with lists and lists and lists of how wow. the body restores itself when you're fasting, even if it's a water fast, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a time of cleansing and restoring and detoxing for the body. And it's a time of uh, restoring and cleansing for the soul. So you're at the part um, about why it's important for Ramadan and why to declutter and how it's a part of our soul like we fast and we declutter kind of the toxins in that way. And then how can we do that physically? Yeah, so um, I, yeah, I was saying it's a, it's a physical detox. It's a spiritual detox. It's a physical cleanse and like a reboot, uh, re the, the new year that's gonna come after that. So when our environment is set right, then we can, we can our body and our soul will have the optimum optimum benefits of Ramadan because as you know the, uh, our environment always affects our mood and it affects our mindset mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it affects our uh, you know our self-esteem things like that when we're in a clean environment an organized environment we we have more time and space in our mind to think okay I can do some anger, I can yes do messy environments will make you feel lazy and lethargic because you are carrying the burden of that mess in your mind and you don't even know it. So you feel like there's a lot happening in your mind. So instead of instead of uh, sitting and doing adhkar or reading extra Quran mm -hmm. or, or doing whatever needs yeah. to be done in Ramadan, you're not going to fully uh, feel energetic about it because yes. there's clutter all around you. So yes. the first thing is when you, when you declutter before Ramadan, the first benefit is that you mentally start preparing for Ramadan. Yes. The second benefit is that the, the environment around, around you gets a spring clean, everything feels nice, everything feels as though Ramadan is coming. You know how we clean for Eid, yes. clean for spring? It makes you get ready for that and, and it, you feel good about it. So that feel good feeling. The third thing is, is that there's less mental clutter in your mind mm -hmm. so that you have more time and creative energy to focus on what's important in Ramadan. What is important in Ramadan? To make sure your character is being refined, mm -hmm. to make sure that your ibadah is being refined, to make sure that uh, the, the kind of foods and things that we're eating, they're being simplified 
So all of these things, they have a they have a knock-on effect. It's like a domino effect. You clean your environment, it affects your mindset. You, your mindset sorted, then it affects how you, your actions and how you behave and what you do. So it's all like a, you know, it's all mirrors to one another. They affect each other. Subhanallah, like that, that is so true. And oftentimes it's so sad because me growing up in my culture, you know, being Afghan and kind of like having Middle Eastern associations and all of these things. It's like when we grow up and it's Ramadan, all we remember is food, you know, like, it's like, oh, my God, the samosas, the pakoras and this and that. I got to start prepping. I got to make a batch, put it in the freezer and all of these things. But we don't do that when it comes to our soul, you know. We kind of just expect that Ramadan is coming and I'm going to be cleansed. And then like, that's it. And then the chapter is closed again when it's gone. So that's why I wanted to focus on this idea of decluttering and the fact that we are decluttering with this intention of like, okay, I want my out outside world to reflect my insides, you know? And sometimes what is on the outside is actually what's on the inside, right? Because it's a, it's a reflection. And subhanAllah, you saying that it, gives you more space to feel good and to do those good things because you don't feel drained and you have more energy like who would think that it's connected you know because subhanallah like that's such a beautiful point so thank you i was just like making notes like crazy as like you're talking well, um, they say, you know, there's a saying that, like, when you have uh, a lot of white around you and less, uh, like, you know, in terms of decor, yes. you have less decor in your house, you have more creative ideas. Yes. When there's a blank canvas around you, you can think more creatively, as opposed to when you've got so much happening around you, you your, your ideas and your creativity is kind of stunted. So um, a lot of a lot of creative people in the world, some of the most famous creative people in the world, don't waste their time and energy on like the, their environment. They keep it very simple mm. so that all the ideas can flow um, without being stunted. So true, mashallah. So 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 true. Um, and uh, before we go to the next thing, I wanted to ask you, uh, what do you like to do for fun? You know, because it's a pandemic and everybody needs new ideas. <laughs> I think we have all run out of like the banana bread and the baking and all of that. So I just like to <laughs> ask my guests well, for fun. Thing is, the thing I was gonna say, baking. Okay, so I think I think some people people who already know me know know this already about me, but I love climbing trees, and that's something you can still do in the pandemic. Um, so I love. I've always loved climbing trees since I was a young girl. I used to climb trees. I used to run away from home and sit in the tree for hours until my mom would find me. Um, so I, I've always loved trees. I climb trees with friends. I climb trees by myself. Um, sometimes when I just need to sit and have a mindfulness practice i'll climb a tree and the the rustling of the wind in the leaves and just touching the bark and sitting with the tree and 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 all of that it just it's very grounding and it's very powerful and very spiritual for me and then when i'm doing it with friends it's like extremely fun and i really enjoy it so yeah i yeah climbing trees is something that's something that I wow that's like recommended. that's like you know i always say to people i always say to my friends that it's okay if you fall and it's okay if you hurt yourself that's and don't be afraid of falling because that's part of the whole process i've fallen off trees i've fallen off high things
things and, and fractured my arms and things like that. It's it's been done so that I'm no longer scared now. So if I fall now, like Bismillah. So so don't worry about things like that. Subhanallah, that is that is such a wild thing to do to have fun. I don't know about the the audience. If you guys want to share with us um, something wild that you like to do for fun, because I never expected that. Honestly, I thought maybe you're gonna be like, I like to read or like I like to write or like I like to cook or something. But climbing trees. You yeah, took me yeah. back to when I was 11, subhanAllah, with my sisters and my friends, because that's what we would do. And my mom would say, you guys are monkeys. Like, what are you doing? Come home. <laughs> and you know what? As like adult women, especially hijabi women, uh, we sometimes feel like we can't do these kind of things. Um, you know, like our hijab, yeah. stuck in the tree and things like that. Like, just have tree climbing clothes and tree climbing shoes, you know, so yes. that your pretty things don't get ruined. Um, and you can you don't have to compromise your modesty and compromise who you are uh, and your dignity whilst you're climbing the tree. Subhanallah. That's so, so true. There's so many modest um, clothing out there now, mashallah. So, you know, there's kind of like no excuse to be active because we always try to find a way not to do it because of the way that we dress. But mashallah, there's so many alternatives. So thank you for reminding us of that. And I just can't stop laughing, climbing and smiling, climbing trees, mashallah. I can't wait for you to take, you know, your son with you to climb trees. Yeah, I know, right? Inshallah, inshallah. Um, and now, uh, moving on to our next question, it's like about the Sunnah, you know, and the Prophet, peace be upon him, um, and his example, and how he led his life, and how in reality, he was actually like leading a very minimalistic life, right? Like we would say in the aspect of, oh, you know, like he had less, or he was poor, um, and like he was trying to show like a good example, which yes, he was, but in reality, was he not practicing minimalism? That's right, I'm, I'm glad you you worded it like that actually because that's exactly what I was going to say that the Prophet was minimalist by choice it wasn't uh, there wasn't it wasn't uh, something that was put on him because of what he was doing in his mission because he mm -hmm. was actually given some of the most expensive gifts yes. by people uh, by leaders and he was even offered absolutely everything by you know the non-believers in mm -hmm. they were like what do you Want, we want all the money in Mecca, like we will give it to you. We want all the women in Mecca, we will give them to you. Yeah. Whatever you want, we you know we will give it to you. And then he said the first, the famous saying of, um, if you put the the sun in one hand and the, the moon in the other, you know I wouldn't give up the mission. He was minimalist by choice. There was a there were certain periods in his time where he he wasn't minimalist by choice. But even then, if you look at the bigger picture, he could. He could have chosen a different path in that mm -hmm. sense too. Like when he was uh, boycotted, when the Muslims were boycotted yes. in the Valley of Abidalib, mm -hmm. in that time they were living very poorly. They were eating literally next to nothing. Mm -hmm. They were being they were banned. Nobody was trading with them. Nobody was giving them food, and the Muslims were being basically tortured and punished for being Muslims. Right? Yeah. In that time, I can understand the lifestyle. After that, when the Prophet ﷺ, especially when he moved to Medina, he could have lived like a king. Yes. But he chose to live simply. Minimalism was a choice for him. Yes. He ﷺ was so simple, like in, in, in terms of the food that he would have in the house. Sometimes, uh, if they had spare food in the house, he would tell Sayyidina Aisha to go and give it away. Yes. And Sayyidina Aisha would sometimes think, well, we might not even have anything left for dinner tonight. And you're telling me to, you know, go give it away. 
but the Prophet was like, give everything away. So he chose yes. to, to, to give things away from his house so that his household wasn't full of food, full of things, full of items mm -hmm. to serve him. And mm -hmm. so that he lived in luxury. Uh, another aspect where the Prophet practiced minimalism was what he ate and the way he ate. So what he ate, yes. the Prophet had access to loads of meat and loads of chickens. Had he asked any of the Sahaba at any time, I feel like eating meat, any one of them would have sacrificed what they have yes. to give to the Prophet But he ate very less meat and he chose to eat very simple food. Um, and then how much he ate was very minimalistic. Yes. So he, he, he would always have, um, you know, he would always have just about enough to help him survive. Yes. Uh, another hadith that uh, my husband reminded me of, which was so beautiful, is um, when he was walking past one of the companions who was making wudu, and he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, like, there's so much, this is so much waste, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was like, you know, there's so much waste. Yes. And um, the companion replied, like, can there be waste even whilst you're making wudu? He said, he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said that even if you were in a flowing river, and you were to make wudu in that river, you would still, you know, there's still a chance of you wasting the, the river water. So from that we learn that even when you're doing a ritual act of ibadah towards God, this is not even self-serving like food is, self-serving like the luxuries that we have in our life. Even when we're doing something for God, yes. it's completely, it's selfless, it's an act of ibadah to, for God, we shouldn't even be practicing waste then. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be so minimalistic in how we even make our, our wudu that they, like only two drops or three drops should be flowing from you know your arms when you're, you're cleaning your arms and things like that. So subhanAllah, the Prophet practiced minimalism in every aspect. Um, you know, the way he wore his shoes. Yes. If they, if they ripped, you know, he could have asked any of the Sahaba, give me your shoes, I like your shoes, you give me yours. Yes. Instead, he would sew them up and he would fix his own shoes so that he continued to to um, to live minimalist. Subhanallah, that's so true. I remember, uh, I think it was a story um, about the Prophet, peace be upon him, where his clothes, they would like tear and like they would have patches. So what he would do is like he would take other pieces of cloth and like he would sew it, you know. And I think it was one day and like maybe outside he was sitting somewhere, it was sunny and there was, um, he was sewing one of his garments and there was a cat sleeping on it. And he didn't want to lift the garments of Hanullah so the cat wouldn't wake up. And he was just like, I think, sitting there and just sewing. Um, and I just thought, you know, like that is so beautiful and it's so gentle. The fact that he is sitting there and he is sewing his own garments. And the fact that, like you said, he could have had the best of the best and he could have lived, uh, like lived like a king without any questions or any worries from anybody because every, nobody would question him like, oh, why are you taking more or this or that, right? because that was his status. But SubhanAllah, he chose to have less while he gave so much more. So that, that is like one. I just want to also, I just want to clarify here that um, having less or living simple does not equate to piety. So when we talk about the Prophet having less, sometimes what happens is people then associate uh, having less or dressing like a poor man or, or, or not dressing 
you know, inexpensive clothes, that equates to, to piety. Yes, that's yes, That's not yes. the case in Islam. No. In Islam, there, there have been people of God that dress in very expensive clothes, but they yes. just have zero attachment to that those clothes. They well, I mean, the zero, Prophet uh, uh, Sulaiman, peace be upon him, right? Yes, yeah, I was literally just thinking about <laughs> Subhanallah. Yeah, Subhanallah, I was thinking about him when you were talking. That there's even been, uh, been Anbiya that have dressed so well and lived really, really well, but they just have no attachment to those physical things in their hearts. Um, so we're not equating piety and we're not equating religiosity to living poor. What we're saying is that your life is stress-free and happier mm -hmm. when you live simple. Subhanallah, that's so beautiful. Um, we're getting lots of comments and lots of questions. So before I move into some of the questions that the audience had asked me in the poll before this um, talk, inshallah, we can go through and read some of the comments um, that everyone has made. I'm, are you able to see the comments? Um, not as good as I should be because I don't have my contact lenses in. You know? <laughs> okay, no worries. I'll read them out. Um, Noor Academy says, um, great topic and a great conversation. And for everyone, please um, write your questions down and we'll be more than happy to answer them. Sadia says, decluttering is definitely therapeutic. Um, and then um, Nasreen says, I have been decluttering regularly every week. And this is the first week I haven't. And I feel like I'm missing out on something. <sighs> I feel like that now, yeah. Yes. And then um, Confessions of a Revert uh, writes, decluttering and reorganizing is always therapeutic. Even rearranging my room is something I do every couple of months. Yes. SubhanAllah, that's such a good idea. Um, that's, a, that's something that I, I have always done, um, rearranging furniture. It's just, it's really good. It gives you a fresh perspective on everything even if it's like even if it's uh, everything's in a position that you probably wouldn't keep long term but it you know it keeps you it just keeps the the environment fresh and then you can change things back again yeah rearranging furniture is definitely a, a good thing it doesn't it can help you declutter but it doesn't necessarily declutter but yes. it definitely gives you a fresh uh, a fresh space Subhanallah, so true. And Shaheen writes, I embraced minimalism a couple of years back, but you shared some really good points. Uh, we get addicted to the cleaning process because it makes us feel lighter. How desperately we want to feel lighter. And I think this touches into one of the questions um, that someone had asked, like how to declutter our mind, our thoughts, you know? Like, oh. can we declutter our minds and thoughts uh, because we clean? Definitely. I found, I found that... Um Taking things off my wall, for, for starters, I mean, this is, you wouldn't think it's linked, but th taking things off my wall and having plain white walls has definitely helped me feel like my mind has started to declutter. The second thing that I would recommend on how to start decluttering your mind is staying away from TV. Like, I don't, I, I don't mm -hmm. know, are we going to talk about social media? Because yes, yes, we have a question yeah. for social media. Yeah, that's a whole separate thing, but, yeah. let's talk, but let's talk about everything other than social media right now. I don't have a TV, and I haven't had a TV for a good few years. My mom didn't have a TV, so I kind of like, for the late part, latter part of my life, we didn't have a TV in the house. And I feel like the benefits of that is that, you know, the advertisements, and because we still watch things, we watch yes. things. We have Netflix on our laptops and our phones and stuff. But the advertisement is extra mental clutter that you don't need. 
yeah the advertisement and things like that even with like youtube you know the adverts that they give you that's extra mental content so getting rid of things like tvs and and things like that detoxing from people who talk about things that do not serve you or talk about things that uh do not enhance you or enhance your living in any way whatsoever okay so you got to declutter uh, conversations you have to actively just as actively as we declutter our lifestyle and all the stuff around us we have to declutter mm-hmm. our conversations now yes. whether that's you making those conversations or stimu- like triggering those conversations or another friend or a family member doing it you don't have to cut off the family member if the yeah. family member is not toxic but what you can do is identify okay you know when we talk about these 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 things that kind of stuff stays on my mind when i get back home and i'm i'm constantly thinking about it. there's certain things that stay in your mind and you think about them over and over again and you use so much time and energy on them so declutter your conversations if if you notice that there's certain things that aren't serving you as a conversation with your friends and with your family then you need to sh- shut it down and be like you know what I don't want to talk about this let's change the subject. Mm-hmm. So decluttering conversations definitely helps with mind clutter. The other thing I would say is mindfulness. Pract- practicing mindfulness yeah. means like doing meditation or sitting in silence or spending time in nature. When you spend time in nature this is one thing that I've realized. Nature and I've said this for years and years that nature slows things down. Yes. So like let's Say our world is running at like a hundred miles per hour, and all of a sudden we just go and take a walk in nature. Yeah. All of a sudden you feel like you're at twenty miles per hour. You're yeah. You're forced to go back to twenty miles per hour because nature is a lot more slower than us. Subhanallah. So, Subhanallah. We're really, really blessed in that sense to just be able to just pop outside and go walk with trees or go for you know go walk if you if you're near a beach, whatever type of nature you have, you can instantly slow down. and declutter your mind by just having access to nature. Now, this next tip is a little bit it's personal to me and I feel like it benefits me. I actually release my energy into the nature around me. So I'll release my energy to trees, to the ground, I'll walk barefooted on the grass and I'll I'll kind of vision that uh, my energy is leaving me this the clutter and the and the the chaos and any kind of bad energies that I have it's leaving me through my feet in the ground or I'm touching the trees and it's leaving me so you know there's even that that you can actually physically interact and touch nature and let let it heal you So like the visualizing aspect of like these negative thoughts or negative energies leaving you and then going into the ground, you know, and kind awesome. of grounding yourself through that 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 is such a powerful practice, you know. And, and I nature, feel like nature has yeah. very neutral energy. Yeah. So whenever you're with trees, they will neutralize you whether you're over ecstatic and you're you're feeling like an adrenaline rush or whether you're feeling really low and miserable, nature will just neutralize however you feel take you back into your balance balance mode subhanallah so true so true um and we have another question that's saying um asking me what do you, uh what do you do about minimalism but for children toys and kids how do you balance giving toys but also being minimal okay this is a really really good question yeah. because i'm actually reading a book about how to be a minimalist mom and how to parent uh, very less so i'm just mm. uh, just give me sorry sorry just give me more sure, I, sure. Need to, i need about 10 minutes no worries um 
So I was just sorry. It's just uh, start just came in. No worries. Um, so I was reading a book about uh, minimalist parenting, and in there it's just saying that you can actually the, the things I've learned from it. The the fact that children have like two hundred toys. And then they'll only actually pay, play with about seven of them. Yes. So things like that. So you can have very, uh, very doable activities, doable goals with set, very doable goals with your children. For example, uh, you can have a box, and you can have one box, and you can say to your child, "You can keep everything that fits into this box." Mm. And every time you want to buy a new toy, you can replace it. You take something out and put it in charity, and you make one child happy. And you can take something and put something new in it. But anything, anytime this box overflows, then we need to detox and declutter this box. And children are happier when they have less toys. When they have, mm. I, I was reading like the statistics that the more toys they have, the less they play with them. Yes. And the less toys they have, the more creative they are with the the, the few that they do have. Subhanallah, that's so. That is so amazing because um, I see my like, you know, nieces and nephews and then my sisters are always like, what do we do with this much toys? They're not even playing with them. You know, half the time they're just laying there for me to pick up or clean or That's put right. away. Yeah. SubhanAllah, that, that is so true. So that was a really good question. Um, and the next question that we have is, um, how often to declutter? You know, I think we kind of touched upon this, like you could do it, you know, like once a month or like a couple of weeks or how, but how do you stay consistent so that you don't pile up too much? And at the same time, you don't throw too much away too soon. Like, is there too soon for something? Okay. So what, in my research, what I've been doing with minimalism, there are rarely, there are rarely times that you actually regret the regret that you feel of, I shouldn't have thrown that away. So I've been decluttering for about six months, four to six months, and I've got rid of so much, probably about 70% of my stuff. And from that, I probably regret throwing away two items from like hundreds and hundreds of things. So actually, the, the, the too soon is never really a thing. However, okay. you can have a rule for yourself. So with clothes, if you haven't worn them in 30 days, you probably don't need them. If you haven't worn them, unless you're doing like a winter pile and you're storing the winter pile away mm. in the summer pile, um, yeah. which nowadays probably doesn't work because we buy new clothes every season anyway. But yeah. if you are one of those people that has bought really good quality things and you think I'll definitely use this next winter, then you can put put those things away. But if you haven't used something from your wardrobe for 30 days or probably 60 days, give yourself two months then, then uh, that's something that you can get rid of. Um, there is... Uh, what? Sorry, go back to the question again. What did you ask me? Um, and the other thing was like, yeah, uh, like for somebody who is just starting, how often to declutter? Oh yeah, how often? So I would say you definitely need to declutter at least once a month. Okay. Once once a month is healthy. That's only twelve times in a year where you allocate one day. Yeah. Probably about four hours, and you do a quick uh, sweep of uh, different areas. If you feel like it's gonna, it's it's a lot. Then you do, you know, one day, one whole day, and you spend it on one specific area if you have a house and you need to do one room. And then one month, pick a room. But minimum, one month, minimum. That's what that needs to be. But generally, I like to declutter every two weeks. Mm. That's like where I'm at right okay. now. I like to, and, and I'll have about three big bin bags uh, ready to go to charity. 
Mashallah, that's so so amazing. And the thing is, like, Subhanallah, you're giving away and you're gaining so much. You know, it's like you're giving away, but you're gaining so many good deeds I'm through that giving. giving. It's amazing because some of the stuff that I've been learning is that you have more time, more time because you're not spending time cleaning, maintain, maintaining the things that you have. You have more money. Yes. Because, and then you can spend that money on like the, the things that you really treasure and the things that you really value. You have more energy and you have more mental space and you have more uh, mental creativity. So, you, you know, the space for, for thinking of yes. uh, uh, creative ideas and having experiences, more time for experiences that you've always wanted to do. And, you know, just basic things like as a parent, let me let me tell you how minimalism helps us. When we have, when we uh, cut down on the things that we're buying, mm -hmm. we have more money to spend on us as parents or us as, um, as you know, taking a break from our children and maybe, um, you know, paying somebody to take care of the babies or the children, things like that. So you can, you know, you have more time to spend on your well-being and your yes. care as opposed to just accumulating things that aren't really going to make your life more stress-free. If anything, they're just gonna add to add to the stress. Subhanallah, that that's so true. It's like you get more time, more money, more good deeds. That is so beautiful. Um, and uh, now we're going into the social media question uh, because I got a few of them just basically around the theme of redu uh, reducing social media clutter. You know how to declutter um, from social media because nowadays we are so connected. No matter how much we say it, we're still going to be on our phone at least two three hours a day. You know, That's right. so there's no way of avoiding that, but how to be conscious and how to declutter in that area. That's right. Uh, okay, so the first thing I would say is first thing that you need to do like right now, right now, if you want to socially declutter is turn off notifications. Notifications should not be on. 100%. Yes. That's the first thing that needs to be done. Second thing is unfollow any account that makes you feel bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a positive account, even if it's a, a great account with a great meaning and a great, mm -hmm. uh, just like a great message. Yeah. If it makes you feel bad about yourself in the sense that you feel inadequate in your life, you feel like you're not having uh, a good enough life or you're not living well enough or yeah. pretty enough or uh, living lavishly enough, get rid of those types of accounts. Get rid of any account or any kind of stop following any type of news apps that are continuously bringing up uh, clutterful news. Clutterful news is like drama news. Yeah. Oh, look what happened with Meghan and Harry now, and mm -hmm. Buckingham Palace, and, and the drama that's happening. That's that's clutter for your mind that yeah. you can live without. You do not need to know about the drama between the the Meghan and Harry and, the, and yes. Buckingham Palace. You don't need yes. to know that. Your life is not being enhanced. So news apps and information uh, accounts that are giving you information that does not benefit you and make you as a better person. There's all of that. Then there is uh, letting people know that you're not taking uh, uh, taking messages through your DMs because sometimes that can become a, a mental burden. Oh, I need to reply to this person. Yes. I need to do, this, I need to do that. So, you know, you, you, you become very... You become very uh, like you're carrying the weight of I. I still have like especially for me. So I have probably about 300, 400 unread messages, and I know daily when I go into my DMs, I hate it. So now I've just got rid of the option of like I put don't send me any DM mm -hmm. messages anymore. So things like that. 
if things like that stress you out, then just get rid of those things. So there's small changes that you can make to make social media easy, easier for you. But uh, what I do intend to do, and I recommend other people to do, I haven't done it yet, is hopefully, inshallah, get rid of social media off my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just have just log into it from my laptop, which I don't open, you know, every day. Yes. So that's the goal. That's where I'm trying to get to, inshallah. And if, if you guys can practice that now. I mean, think about it. If, if social media is bringing you money, bringing you clients, bringing you like some kind of income, then you have some kind of reason to be on social media. Yeah. If you don't have, if it's not bringing in money, then it's and things like that. So, That's so true. For that reason, I don't say get rid of it, but what I say is really seriously monitor how you use it. Subhanallah, that's so so true. And yeah, I mean, even I'm thinking now for myself, like I am on Instagram so much nowadays, you know. And one thing I had to do was cut off my Wi Fi and pretend like I have no Wi Fi because I'm still gonna go on it, you know. So, yeah, so in the morning when I wake up for like, I usually wake up at like 5 30 a.m. until like 8 a.m., I try not to turn on my Wi Fi, you know. And I'm like, I have no Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi. I'm going to go plan my day and this and that. And that at least helps me because I've noticed I become very drained. It mentally exhausts you and takes all of your energy away. Um, And subhanAllah, it's like, it's kind of like sugar, you know, when you are going on your sugar detox. And a lot of people were telling you, just go cold turkey, cold turkey. Like, because it's an addiction, subhanAllah. It's an addiction. Like, it's like your fingers are like, they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know. Like, and you know, when you sit there, yeah, idle, and you're just like, I, I have, you know, I'm standing in a queue or I'm waiting for something. I could be on my phone right now. It's just like, we're so addicted to it now. And I, I find myself struggling, you know, with that. So I find myself really itching to grab my phone when I'm in an awkward position, when I'm waiting for somebody in, in a waiting queue or something in a waiting room and stuff and then I have to control myself and not pull out my phone and go onto social media because I'm like this is because uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago where they were saying that those moments in life where you're at the traffic lights or you're waiting at a bus stop those moments when you're waiting they're so crucial for you to have thoughts and inspirations and to down download and process what's happening in your day when you don't have those silent times mm-hmm. then you get even more drained by the end of the day whereas those silent uh kind of in between times in between meeting people in between talking to people those times are, are the times when you process the things that are happening and it's easier for your mind to cope with you know what's going on in your day subhanallah that that's that's so true i never thought of that because you literally get no time to yourself and then let's say nighttime comes and now you want to sleep but you can't fall asleep because there's so many things that you need to process and that you need to think and that you need to go over before you can actually put your head down and you know rest for the night so wow subhanallah oh wow gotta declutter lots of things as i'm talking i'm like oh my god this is like has to go that has to go that has to go subhanallah and
uh, that's the goal, inshallah. I pray that everybody, you know, all of us get there. Inshallah. Uh, it's, it's, inshallah. It's, a big, it's a big goal, but I think it's achievable, you know, if we regularly, mm-hmm. you know, keep on top of it. Yeah, I think it's just about intentions, you know. And now, mashallah, we have talked for like over 40 minutes. So I don't want to take um, too much of your time for our audience who are joining us. If you have any last questions, we're going to give five minutes to end uh, this session, inshallah. Thank you for all of your beautiful comments and um, cheering us on. And we hope that this was beneficial for you, you know. Um, and sister, if if you would like to go ahead and inshallah, maybe say your closing words and even the dua. Um, and so inshallah, we can close close it off because um, I don't see any other questions. I just see lots of beautiful comments. Um, Sister Nasreen has said that, you know, now that I have embarked on this journey, um, I feel that I have been duped all these years by the whole retail therapy. Um, and that they tell me, you know, you had a bad day, so treat yourself to something even if you don't need it, um, which I thought was a really good comment. And the fact that undoing years of consumerism is a journey, um, but it's definitely liberating. That's right. You literally said everything that I believe in, Nasreen. You always have amazing, amazing points. So thank you for sharing them. With us. Yes. I just want to say um, thank you to you for for holding these, like all these uh, build up towards Ramadan, the prep for Ramadan. These lives are really useful. I've been going through your account and I've been checking. Oh, them subhanallah. Really, you know, even the other lives that you had before this, really good stuff. So thank you. Know, you. I hope you keep up doing what you're doing. It's it's Inshallah. brilliant. It's really good and. Uh, you have a podcast, right? So this is gonna yes. Be so this is gonna be so right now we have the live and I'm recording it on my computer at the same time and then that's gonna go on my podcast. So the link is like right underneath my bio, so you can listen to it if you don't necessarily want to watch, you know, somebody for like an hour or us. Um, and so Alhamdulillah, it's been a month now and it's been going really great and I never expected it, right? But again, it's that intention. I said I'm gonna do it. Let me just put my intention there. I want to do something good. I want to talk about subjects which we need um, in our community that we kind of know about, but we don't openly talk about and embrace. And I'm so happy that, you know, you decided to come on and have this conversation with me. Um, And I think it was a really good start to Ramadan prep and thinking about Ramadan and preparing for Ramadan. And inshallah, taking these amazing points that you have taught us and uh, incorporating it into the rest of our lives, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Allah give us tawfiq. So I'll just finish up with something that's a practice that the Sahaba used to do. When they would finish a gathering, they would remind each other of the Surah, Surah Asr. Yes. And they would recite it uh, to remind each other of the duty that we have towards each other on ourselves and towards each other as a community. So they mm-hmm. recite Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, Wal Asr, Inna Lisana, Rafi, Kusr, Illa Ladina, Amanu, Wa Amiru, Swalihat, Wadwasal, Bilhaq, Wadwasal, Bistaq. And that is, uh, Allah swears by time that verily man is in loss except those who believe and do good deeds and those who encourage each other towards goodness and patience. So Allah give us tawfiq. Allah give us tawfiq to Amen. practice minimalism, to live simply, to Amen. follow the sunnah of the Prophet to choose, um, to choose to live simple so that we have more time, more energy, more money, more... Um, space in our lives to to focus on things that are important like ibadah like refining our character uh, character and establishing good relationships with our kin we ask you to put barakah in the work that everybody is doing in this community the work that everybody is doing on the in this gathering uh, in in each of our own specific ways and our specific avenues and please accept all of our efforts from us Ameen. 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 thank you so much for having me
absolute honor to be here. Thank you so, so much. It was my honor. Thank you. I've learned so much. I can't wait to, inshallah, digest everything and take it one step at a time. And of course, for everyone here, you can follow her minimalism page, learn more about it. And I can't wait to see, inshallah, where your journey takes you, where we go. And for everyone joining us, we hope that you take, even if it's one thing today, and try to implement it, inshallah. And of course, let us know how it goes in the comments of this videos or messages. And I am so, so happy to have had you. And, and this is the closing um, to my session today. So thank you, everyone. Everyone, assalamu alaikum. Have a great, great night. Take care, everyone.